We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody. We are the Pettiest Bills Podcast. I'm not bright enough for all of that. Drew Gator. Because I thrive off negativity, it's just more hackery from a charlatan and a carpetbag. The Rock Pile Report. Oh, my blood pressure's rising. He gave him Coors Banquet beers out of spite. The Pettiest, Hardest Drinking Bills Podcast. I'll go to hell and back just to prove a point. to another edition of the Rock Pile Report Podcast. I am your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. And damn it, does it feel good to be back to football. It's fucking great. Did you even hear that? Hear what? That's right. It's called post-production, bitches. <laughs> Got yourself. If you're on the audio side, you got yourselves a brand new Rock Pile Report intro. Ooh, Drew, <laughs> Drew hasn't heard it, so oh boy, you're yeah. I did my best to encapsulate who you are as a person. Oh no! And then uh, if we can get some housekeeping out of the way here with the new intro, also in that lane, I'm doing stuff for Tyler Dunn. Yeah, I know. You saw, I mean, it's not out yet who uh, he's doing a seven-part podcast series with, but you saw who it was. That's it's a, crazy. It's a pretty big name. Hall of Famer. That's all you get. So it was fun that I got to, at today, kind of mix together a podcast involving a pro football Hall of Famer, and I'm going to do... Some other stuff. You're also with doing the video content too, right? Video content with Tyler for uh, the Ty and Bob Pod, Bob McGinn, legendary sports writer for the Packers, and then uh, I think I'm going to do some stuff for the Go Long Show with him and Jim Monis. So that's on the uh, the docket. Did you ever think when we started this in a bullshit kitchen in what Depew, New York? Yeah. Did you ever think you'd be you'd be doing like working on projects like what you just accomplished? No, not at all. <clears throat> so what it is, baby, we're making dreams come true over here at the Rock Pile Report. Uh, dreams coming true, dreams, nightmares. An NFL season can be all of those things wrapped up in one. That's why a lot of it comes down to what expectations do you walk into a season with. What sense of entitlement do you walk into an NFL season with? The same kind of entitlement that I graduated with, being from a private high school. <laughs> that type of entitlement. I love how you like saying that, just because you know somewhere Mark Smith hears it and goes, fuck, Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right now, Bridget's ruining you even harder. I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll just step away. I'll step away from... Uh, what I could say on that one. Here's here's what I do, guys. Because 
there's obviously been a lot, and I'm not going to do the hack bit where I pair it. I mean, you guess you've heard enough of it on local radio, and if you if you live abroad and you've been watching the national media, I'm sure you've already noticed people aren't a big fan of the old Buffalo Bills ahead of their Week One contest with the New York Jets. They're just not. And so, with that in mind, I want to let you in on something I do. For me personally, like, it's a tradition unlike any other. This guy, Drew McGarry, he's a writer formerly of Deadspin.com, before some soulless piece of shit bought it and made it a clickbait farm. He's now a writer, and I think he might be one of the lead writers for Defector Media, Defector.com. I annually look forward to his Why Your Team Sucks series of publications. He goes around the NFL, writes a very tongue-in-cheek, this is why your team is garbage ahead of the season. He's been doing it for a decade, maybe even more than that. And I've looked forward to this snark-fueled look at every single NFL roster and every single franchise just seemingly designed to point out all the lowlights and the shortcomings of your organization's existence. And I love it. I love every second of this because I'm a Bills fan. In my soul, I'm a Bills fan. I don't expect, Chris, everything about us as a podcast, everything about most of us as fans is what this series is geared towards, right? Like, are you one of these people who loved your team's draft or free agency? Are you a fan who thought that your team had a really strong preseason performance? Maybe you're one of those people coming out of the preseason with a feeling of genuine optimism. Yeah? Well, here's Drew McGarry to remind you that everything stinks. Nothing good is probably going to happen, because why would it? Does do good thi- Chris, do good things happen to you on a daily basis? No. No. So why would it happen now? And that you're probably dumb for believing that it might. You suck, you jackass. Screw you. Here's a reminder of how you and your team blew it last year. Not just your team, but you for being dumb enough to believe in them. And how even some of the new things that you like are probably also going to stink. It sounds awful, but I love every second of it. And ahead of this matchup, just with all of the rhetoric that's been thrown around about our our team where we slot in the AFC, AFC East, where... The, Chris, we'll talk more in a second about this, but hasn't it been a little bit much? It almost seems like a bit that they're doing, right? Yeah. No, let's all just... It's like there was a conference somewhere, and they all got together and said, hey, pfft, let's just bring up the fact that Buffalo sucks, because it's a, it's a hot take, and it'll get a lot of interaction. And And they did, right? They did it. So ahead of this matchup, like, I just, I get the feeling that both fan bases need to be brought back down to earth. Like, both fan bases, not just ours, but theirs too. Like, everybody in that nuclear waste dump, which, yes, New Jersey is the fourth smallest state in the union, yet somehow leads the nation in toxic waste sites with over 114 of them. According to the EPA. Chris, do you think that includes Hoboken? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Fuck New Jersey. I hope, that, I hope that that, like Atlantis, New Jersey just sinks back into the ocean. Yeah. They Although, is that it. considered pollution? Mm. <laughs> is that considered dumping? <laughs> I don't know. If all of those rubes down there are loving the talking heads on ESPN and NFL Network, like already anointing them the class of the AFC East, and they're all walking a few inches taller heading into the weekend, like, great, good for you. Meanwhile, there's a lot of Bills fans who will tell you that, like, all of those people are unequivocally morons. And that not only is our team clearly the better organization, we're clearly the better roster, clearly we have a better coach. And that it's essentially a foregone conclusion that will shock the world because we deserve it. Guys, th- th- this, these articles are for you. So I peruse them every year, and I, I've cherry-picked some of the best for each of them. First of all, 
he leads Chris with the clip of Jerry Sullivan on Trainwreck Sports. <laughs> he leads the article with Jerry Sullivan. A quote, the worst fans really are the women. They don't get critical journalism. They're all wannabe cheerleaders. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> you dug deep for that one. And he goes on to make fun of our record, uh, the way we lost the Dolphins-Bills game. You guys should go read it for yourself over at Defector.com. But it is funny, right? Like, you hear some of the stuff, and they go, your coach, Sean McDermott, who stinks. And you go, wait a minute, what? And then they talk about this, and they're just like, oh, well, yeah. Like, your coach is lying to you. Coach has lied to you. He downplays every mistake that he makes. Everything that is a big deal with this team, he just acts like there's nothing to see here, which was cute when the team was an up-and-coming team. It stopped being cute when they started falling on their face and losing the, 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 losing the uh, game they had no business losing to Kansas City. Coming out with no guts against the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, he really goes in on this. The, Stephon Diggs. Being mad at the beginning of the season, he's like, why wouldn't your coach just lie to all of your dumb faces about this? He's kind of got a point, doesn't he? Yeah. And then, like, you think about that, and he's just like, oh, what's, you know, your quarterback is Josh Allen, who adores throwing picks in the red zone. No quarterback has turned the ball over more, period. Not Matt Ryan, not Kirk Cousins, not Taylor Heineke. It's this asshole. Every year, Josh Allen starts off as the MVP favorite, and every year he, is, he pisses that trophy away by cosplaying as Brett Favre whenever he gets within spitting distance of the end zone. <laughs> oh, fuck. My favorite's the, uh, what's, he does this thing, what's new that sucks, and what has always sucked, right? Yep. What has always sucked, he makes fun of our stadium. Not even the one that we currently have, but the new one that's coming. And he's like, oh, what, you guys think that this is going to go well? You're already $300 million overdue. It's going to take forever to build. He's calling it the house that Josh Allen built then accidentally burned down a week before the grand opening. <laughs> because he likes to fuck things up. It's fun, it's tongue-in-cheek, and it reminds you that sometimes you stink. But the Jets aren't immune to criticism. Are they, Chris? Mm, no, they always get criticized. The Jets, according to Drew McGarry. Your coach, Robert Sala, put in name only. Your new head coach is Aaron Rodgers, and he's already brought his guys with him. Most notably, this pud at offensive coordinator. And when he called Nate Hackett a pud, I audibly laughed loud enough to wake my wife up laying in bed next to me. How cool How cool is it that we got to watch Robert Sala put on this fake persona on Hard Knocks? I didn't watch any of Hard Knocks, so I have, I'm clueless to what happened on Hard Knocks. Robert Sala on Hard Knocks. I said it today to Greg Thompson's cover one, and he got a real kick out of it. Robert Sala, if you've watched any of this HBO show, like you hear, uh, I think, uh, who, who do we use to, Connor Rogers? Yeah. I said why sports? Yeah, he's been on our podcast on our once podcast. or twice. He went on this thing on social media about how this speech about from you know, the coach really get you know that's my coach, that's my guy. I, I I'm all in. Blah 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 blah. Did you have that in a DM? Yes. I think you're talking about Connor Hughes. Connor Hughes. Yes. Okay, go back. Different person. Go, go down. Yeah, cover one right there. Okay, go up. Okay. Yeah, it's Connor Hughes. Click that tweet. He gave some good speeches. Okay, guys, good speech. This journey, this climb, it's about to get as hard as fuck. It is, right? They're all talking about how we have to go through this team, blah, 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 blah. I'll take everybody in this room over anybody in football. Is that a fact, fuckface? You're going you're gonna to take Aaron Rodgers over Patrick Mahomes right now, today? You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> He goes, one of my biggest pet peeves I have as a coach is when you're on a team that's not doing very well and the opposing coach walks up to you on the 50-yard line and says, man, you guys play hard. Fuck you, I don't want to play fucking hard. I want to fuck you up. That's my mindset. Chris, Robert Sala is playing a character that I swear to God, 
I said in my DM to Greg, was written by a tandem of the guys who came up with the idea for the like uh, TV series Friday Night Lights. And all of his dialogue has been written by the guys who wrote the Fast and the Furious franchise. Mm-hmm. A bunch of dorks who think that this is how tough guys talk. Oh, yeah, it's going to get hard as fuck. So everybody strap in. We're going to get in a Ferrari and jump that mountain. Like, you, he could be delivering the same lines, and it would have the same amount of impact to me. This is my favorite line in this tweet from Connor Hughes. They seem to be embracing their reputation as league's bad boy. The Jets are as much of a bad boy as John Stamos was on Full House. <laughs> like, what are we doing here, guys? We're just, like, this is all just, like, Drew McGarry's article. He's got a, he's got a, a hold of, uh... Aaron Rodgers, like the first photo they sent out of the new Jets uniforms for 2023 and the paint they were putting on the helmets. Some guy tweeted, Aaron Rodgers looks like he's wearing an Aaron Rodgers Halloween costume for children. <laughs> it's it's really funny. And when you think about what's, what's new that sucks, apparently, according to Drew McGarry for the New York Jets, he goes... This is hardly the only offseason with the, which the Jets have shifted into all-in mode. They've been going all-in ever since former owner Leon Hess told the world, I'm 80 years old and I want results now, right after hiring Rich Kotite. How has that worked out for their franchise historically, Chris? Kotite's an ass. <laughs> and so are most of the people trying to say that the Jets are the next coming Fergie and Jesus and whatever else or whatever deity you want to believe in. So what I do love at the end of each of these, right, they go down and they talk about they, they go down the list and then they take quotes from disgruntled fans from each fan base. And those are some of my favorites because it's real right now. Obviously, they're cherry picked and they're curated. But it's it's bad, right? Like, it's it's meant to bring you back down to the temperature of some of your fellow fans who don't think things are as rosy as you might. Uh, right now, like, <laughs> Connor from New Jersey writing, my first trip to an NFL game was the last game Brett Favre played for the Jets, so I know how this ends. Shirtless New Jersey and shouting for Bill Cower to save them while fighting each other in the stands for no clear reason. The only question is whether or not this happens at a wild card game in Cincinnati or in Jacksonville. <laughs> oh, it's you look at this. This will be the most talked about nine and eight season to ever happen in NFL history, and it's exactly what this mouth breathing fan base deserves. We all suck. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, MetLife Stadium was designed out of spite. That coming from Justin. Let's see, who else? <laughs> Sam, the Jets finally had a draft where everything just went absolutely right and it didn't fucking matter. And as far as the Bills, look, Zach, Leslie Frazier sabotaged this team's only chance at a Super Bowl in 13 seconds, and now he'd rather shadow retire than oversee another defense that falls apart in the playoffs. He got hired as a uh, analyst on NFL Network. I don't know if you uh, saw that press release. Tony says I went. I, I I was at a Bills home game against the Cleveland in Cleveland in twenty two thousand nine, on a day when the bronze legend Derek Anderson was two for seventeen for twenty three yards and one pick, and we still fucking lost six to three. This couldn't happen to anyone else in the NFL. Ah, uh, let's see. Oh, man. Let's see, it's just, it's more, guys. It's just more of this. Tell, tailgates can sit, continue to be Sodom and Gomorrah for second shifters. Chris, I feel like you take offense to that. I mean, I don't work second shift, though. I'm on third shift. I have to take off of work to go to the games. <laughs> Brian... Because sums us all up nicely. This is absolutely the last hurrah for this team in Buffalo. 
By the time that new building becomes obsolete, Buffalo will have continued the steady slide down the list of profitable metro areas and will land somewhere between Winston-Salem and Chattanooga. Buckle up, San Antonio. This team is all yours in 2049. So for all of you out there who believe that this is the Bills' year, there is a lot of them. There's a lot of our fellow fans who fucking do not. And at a minimum, I hope that our walk through all of this for both fan bases has made you laugh at least once. Because at its core, like I hope that ahead of the bullets actually flying and the points actually counting for something, the mistakes and the consequences of failure getting magnified to the level that they do when the games have meaning, that listeners from both podcasts who showed up here tonight have thoroughly rinsed the entitlement out of their mouths and embraced the concept that This is going to be a hard-fought football game between two talented franchises. Talented in various respects. They're very different in their makeup, in the way that these teams are put together. But talented nonetheless, both with the potential to challenge for an AFC East title. And so it's with that that we jump into our Week 1 preview. Buffalo Bills versus the New York Jets. The time is 8.15 Eastern Time. Now, Chris, there's some dispute about this. Is the game being carried on ABC as well as ESPN? Uh, It should be locally. Okay, so locally, people will get it on Channel 7. Yeah, I expect to go to work on Monday night and have the game on the TV in the break room. Okay. It's going to be taking place in MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. The weather, low 80s, 50% chance of rain, but no wind. That's got to be pretty close to perfect football weather, right? I would go in the 60s for perfect football well, weather. yeah, you'd want cooler. Yeah, you're right. The line, the Bills are currently minus two and a half. Yeah, I like the Bills. Road favorites? Yeah, I like the Bills in this game. But Chris, I thought we were the worst. I thought we're not a wild card team. Why are we road favorites against the team that's clearly going to the title game? I have no idea. It must be a misprint. Who do we have on the call? The regs, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Jesus Christ! I thought I, I thought we got away from them. No, they're really good. I like Joe Buck. Are they? I, I like, like Joe, Joe Buck. Buck. I like Joe Buck, and I don't mind Troy Aikman. Other than the whole like, hey, would you rather have Collinsworth? <sighs> All right. Just wait till later <laughs> in the season when we get Sunday night football at Cincinnati. With Collinsworth, former Bengal, on the call. Just wait for that one. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna put in noise noise canceling headphones and just have nothing, just silence as I watch this game. <laughs> ah, notable injuries to watch throughout the week. Now, Chris, obviously, it's a Monday Night Football game, so there is no formal injury report out today. But they did practice today, so we do have a little bit of information. Uh, left guard Connor McGovern with a knee. That's something to watch. Running back Damian Harris with his knee injury. Middle linebacker Terrell Bernard seems, seems to have worked his way back from his hamstring. Micah Hyde, starting free safety Micah Hyde, was held out of practice today due to a, what they called a back flare-up. Now, flare-up almost sounds like there was another injury, right? Like, hey, there was an injury and then it got better and then it got worse. Allegedly. How important was it for them to get Taylor Rapp when you think about the age of this safety tandem? I mean, nice to have. Is he going to play down in the box? I think he can. Well, he's. I think it was um, Anthony Prohaska from uh, Disguise Coverage over Cover One broke down all of Rapp's snaps for the Rams. He can play deep. He can play the deep quarter. He can play free safety, strong safety. He can play in the box in like a big nickel roll. He can do a lot of things for you. How important was that signing, given the age and just the overall health of those two safeties? Now, why are you asking me this? <laughs> it's a rhetorical question. D- Chris, do you know how to spell rhetorical? It's got to be an H in there. <laughs> I love how, I love how you go. There's got to be, but you're not sure. I fucking love you. Yeah, it's like rhombus. It has an H. Romb- <laughs> Did you just say the word rhombus on a football podcast? Yeah. Holy shit! I'm getting another beer. 
Mm. <sighs> On the other side of the ball, the New York Jets, <sighs> Brees Hall, he, they say he will suit up, but it'll be interesting to see how his practices are. Is he practicing in full? Where is he going? Chris, he didn't practice or play a single preseason game. That makes sense. So obviously you would just throw him into the mix, right? Yep. And then wide receiver Corey Davis, who, quote-unquote, stepped away from football, a la Leslie Frazier two weeks ago. Um, do you think he did that so that they couldn't cut him? Probably. And then also, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that left tackle Dwayne Brown did not take a snap in the preseason, but he is set to start this game against Buffalo. Not a single preseason snap as he's working back from uh, rotator cuff surgery. No snaps. None. Also makes sense. He will be, he could be your starter at left tackle for the New York Jets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It would not be Jets Week if we did not have Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet on the show to talk to us about what's coming up in this week's matchup. Scott, I have to ask you, how sweet does it feel after all of the years of detritus that the Jets have been anointed as the media darling of 2023? It's so funny because I keep seeing all these people, like right now the Bills fans are funny. Like, they're getting so upset that people are picking the Jets over the Bills. As if the Jets with Zach Wilson didn't beat the Bills last year at MetLife Stadium. So it's completely impossible that somebody would think the Jets could beat the Bills at home. I I don't know why Bills fans are getting so upset about it. But it is interesting to finally have pundits picking the Jets to be in the mix here. And and I think it's funny because you kind of have to go back and forth between the Jets fans, a lot of whom are getting a little too carried away, and some of the Dolphins fans who are getting too carried away the other way. The Jets are seventh right now uh, in Vegas odds to win the Super Bowl, which tells you that they're in the mix. But I think a lot of Jets fans are at the point where they think they're the Super Bowl favorites, which clearly they're not. And a lot of Bills and Dolphins fans are trying to pretend like this is some sort of media creation, which it is clearly not because the Vegas Sharps don't pay attention to what Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless say. Well, exactly. And that's why we started tonight's show with just a diatribe reading through the Drew McGarry Why Your Team Sucks for both teams. <laughs> just to kind of set everybody, listen, guys, we could both be crap. For all we know, everything that we love is terrible. Nothing good will come out of this. I think that everyone... Do you agree with me that everybody needs to take a deep breath and recognize that the AFC is probably the toughest it's ever been and that it's going to be difficult for anyone's team to... Like, this might be the hardest year to make the Super Bowl in the last 15 years of the AFC. Would you say that? Yeah, this is a really stacked AFC. I mean, the crazy thing is... You have those two teams in the West. I mean, obviously anything's possible because what if Russell Wilson rehabilitates himself with Sean Payton and then Denver gets in the mix, right? Or the Raiders surprise some people. Right now, everybody would assume 
that you're going to see the Chargers and the Chiefs in the mix. The Jaguars look to be a team on the rise. And then the AFC East and the the Ravens division, which I forget what they call these divisions half the time anyway. But every team in that Ravens division, the Ravens, the Browns, the Bengals, the Steelers, all of those teams should be in the mix for playoff spots. And every team in the AFC East, probably except the Patriots, although you never know, should be in the mix for a playoff spot. So, yeah, this is just a really loaded AFC. And look, as I kind of alluded to before, the Bills over under is 10.5. The Jets and Dolphins is 9.5. I think all three of these teams are very evenly matched. And that's why I joked on Twitter the other day. I said, hot take that I know a lot of people are going to find controversial. But I think this game with the Jets And the Bills could go either way. I expect it to be close. I think both teams have very evenly matched rosters on paper. And I think that both fan bases are getting a little insane trying to pretend like, you know, oh, the Bills, everybody talks about them. They won the division three years and didn't do anything, blah, blah, blah. Oh, the Jets haven't gone to the playoffs in 12 years. The the, the social media creations that have come out of this, first of all, fuck you, man. I'm literally waking up and my phone is just full of messages and I hear it buzzing and I go, what's happening? And I realize I'm now locked in a thread. You are a professional in the realm of production and in in terms of what you do. And yet you're on social media arguing with a guy who, first of all, I didn't even know he could raise his voice. For all Chris and I know, Kevin Massari just spins smooth jazz hits. That's how he started his podcasting career anyway. I've never heard the guy raise his voice. So the fact that you got him to argue with you, with me copied in thread about Bill, about Allen versus the Jets and this and that, it proves how insane this has all gotten. And the game needs to just happen because I can't take any more of it. Well, let me uh, let me just quickly talk about what that was. So (laughs) Kevin Kevin had posted something saying about what Aaron Rodgers did in the his last two opening games, the last two seasons, which is entirely irrelevant because he wasn't playing the Bills and he was on a completely different roster for those two games, and they were two random games. So I said, okay, fine, here's what happened the last time the Bills played at MetLife Stadium. Josh Allen was bad, and the Jets beat the Bills. And then I also said, by the way, if we're doing these sample sizes, Josh Allen was really bad last year. And look, we talked about this on the Rockpile Report after the game, where you yourself said, that you thought Mike White outplayed Josh Allen last year. That doesn't mean Josh Allen's not a top-five quarterback. It just means he struggled a lot against that Jet defense. And my point to Kevin was the stats that he cited are irrelevant and mean nothing. The The fact that Allen struggled so badly against the Jets' defense last year, especially at MetLife Stadium where this game is going to be played, is way more relevant. And I don't see how anybody can't see that. And I'm not trying to be mean to Kevin. Like people are jumping in. Oh, why are you all whiny? I'm like, I'm not whining. I'm just, he made a point. I made a counterpoint. It's a public forum. We're talking about football. Like it's not that serious. Yeah, except I'm but, over here trying to fucking sleep. You guys are killing me. But well, it was and also that- all I did was tag you because he <laughs> tried to be a wise guy and be like, oh yeah, were you there? And I was like, actually, it just so happens I was, I was there, there hanging out <laughs> with Drew. So... So I did, and so here's where I, where we kind of break into this conversation. Shit has reached a fever pitch between our fan bases, and I can't take it. I need the game to happen <laughs> now. Ahead of this, I want to talk about some concerns, and I want to talk about what so I've got some football things I'd like to posit with you real quick, just to see what your perspective is as somebody who started this roster up and down. First uh-huh. of all, is it fair to say? that both teams' offensive tackles are probably in for a long day. I would think so. I mean, I'll I'll say this. It's interesting because, and I've been saying this for a while, it's not that the Jets' offensive line is bad, because you keep hearing people say that, and I think that's the wrong thing to say. The issue with the Jets' offensive line is, can they stay healthy, right? Mekhi Becton has missed basically two years to injury, Now, when Mekhi Becton's on the field, he's very good. It's just when you miss two years due to injury, the question becomes, can you hold up? Dwayne Brown, 38 years old. When he's on the field, and last year he played through a terrible shoulder injury, 
he's fine. But, of course, the question is, 38 years old, coming off shoulder surgery, what's the story there? And then, of course, if one of them goes down, the natural move would be to move Elijah Vera Tucker over to tackle. But Elijah Vera Tucker himself is coming off a major injury that ended his season prematurely last year. So I think that it's like you said, it's going to be a dogfight for both offensive lines. I do want to clarify that I don't think the Jets have a bad offensive line. No. I think the question is more a matter of health. If they if those guys can stay relatively healthy, I think that old line is probably somewhere close to middle of the pack, which is not bad. Um, and, and all these people that keep talking about how Aaron Rodgers won't last three weeks behind that old line. Like, I don't know if they're under the impression that Billy Turner and Max Mitchell are the starters or something. But look, if Becton and Brown stay healthy or if even Barrett Tucker has to move over to one of those tackle spots, they'll be OK. They're not going to be the, the Great Wall of Dallas, but they'll be OK. So here's what I'm looking at in terms of your offensive production. I'm just I'm looking at everything ahead of this. and I'm trying to figure out. Where does the majority of it come from? Now, you've watched how they've operated this offense all through training camp, how they've kind of built it through the preseason. I think everybody came into this season believing that, like, hey, we heard about the rumors of they were going to pursue Delvin Cook. We already knew that we had Brees Hall, who was very good when he was healthy. He's going to have a little bit of an, a curve to full recovery. As someone who owns multiple shares of him in fantasy football, I, I drafted him knowing you have to have contingencies for the first month or two at least in place. But with that in mind, is it fair to say that the majority of the offense was sub- kind of expected, like the, the straw that serves the drink for the Jets is kind of expected to be that running game? Yeah, I think the running game is going to be interesting. Dalvin Cook is really, to me, more of an insurance policy than anything yes, else. Exactly. With so, I, and look, I, we, we've gone through this on the show. Arif Hassan was on, and we also looked at his film with the Thunder from down under Luke Grant. I'm not going to say he was ineffective in Minnesota his last two years, but he's been declining. So there's no question to me that he's not quite the same guy that got that contract extension a couple of years ago. There's a reason he was made available. If he was the right. same guy who got the extension, the Vikings would still have him. Right. I mean, what it ultimately comes down to is if you look at stuff like yards above expected and all these other metrics, he was closer to the bottom of the league. And so I think in some ways – He's a bigger name than he is a player at this point. But I think when you make him the insurance policy for Brees Hall, it becomes a different issue. So I think from all accounts, they are they are both going to play on Monday night. I think they'll split up the carries. Neither one is going to be on a quote unquote pitch count, but they're going to be smart about how they use them. I think the running backs will play a big role. But I think also it's going to be receiving the ball. And uh, if you want, I'll get into the the stuff, of, the rest of this stuff with the Jets who, who offense. Does the play, well, that's what I was going to say is who does this offense flow through? Obviously, right. Aaron Rodgers handing the ball off and playing strong defense sounds like the recipe to success that the Jets have ridden any time that they've been successful. It's In recent history, when you guys have made the playoffs and made runs, it's on the back of, Play tough defense. Like, not just tough, but like historically tough defense and run the ball well. And so I can understand. And then also don't turn the ball over, which is where Aaron Rodgers comes in. It's like, look, don't make mistakes. You've got some great weapons, so you'll be able to make timely splash plays when they're available. Run the football and then run clock and just be like a boa constrictor to other teams. I well, see it, the way that this team is built, I guess. And so what I'm asking is when it comes to the passing attack, because that's the type of league we, that we live in. You could run the game the way the, the Jets want to run it, and then you get a, a home run thrower or two from another team, and it changed, Like you guys have to do so much more work to try to keep up with that. So obviously passing the ball has to have been a consideration of how this offense was built. How are you choosing to attack that, or how do you think the Jets are going to go about that? Well, it's interesting you asked because my friend Alex Rollins did a great video, and I recommend everybody watch it. His YouTube channel is great. He's got 100,000 subscribers for a reason. And he broke down the way that Aaron Rodgers has played the last couple of years and the way that he's 
carried that over to what he's done with the Jets in training camp. And what's fascinating is Aaron Rodgers has almost completely abandoned the middle of the field. What he tends to like to do is throw short precision passes and throw 50-50 go balls down the field. And the reason he does this is because those precision passes rely on guys that can catch the ball, give you five, six quick yards, and keep moving the chains. And those goal balls are shots to keep the defense honest. And what he, the reason that Rodgers likes those is because typically, let's say he goes and throws the ball down the field, and let's say you've got Tredavious White one-on-one with Garrett Wilson. It's not impossible that Trey White makes an interception, but the odds are that either Garrett Wilson's coming down with that thing or it's going to get knocked away and incomplete, right? So, but what Rodgers does here by avoiding the middle of the field is he's avoiding that area that is the easiest to complete pass, but also the danger zone because it's the most likely where you're going to throw a turnover. So what Rodgers will, will do, I think, is you're going to see him go downfield with those go balls to, say, Alan Lazard and Garrett Wilson. And Garrett Wilson is the interesting one here because I think, and Alex and I talked about this on the show, the Jets are going to have two offenses in one. They're going to have that quick strike, short area offense, and then they're going to have that downfield offense that's going to consist mainly of the go balls, right? 35% of Aaron Rodgers' passes last year were at or behind the line of scrimmage. I think another 20 or 25% were those go balls. So that's the vast majority of what the Jets are going to do. I think Al Lazard is going to be somebody that he looks for on those go balls. I think he will look for Wilson on those as well. But Garrett Wilson is, is the interesting one here in that he can do both, right? I think in that short area quick game, you're going to be looking at a lot of Mecole Hardman, some Randall Cobb, and you'll see Wilson too because he can do that as well. And that's where I think you may see some Brees Hall, some Dalvin Cook. And this is where you may see some 12 personnel too because remember, when you have athletic tight ends that can block, that gives them the option of either going downfield to maybe try and come down with that 50-50 ball or trying to block for, let's say, a quick screen to Mecole Hardman. And if you looked at what happened in training camp throughout the summer, you saw a ton of those short, quick strike passes to guys like Mecole Hardman. And I think he's very well suited for that. So I think that's what the Jets' offense is largely going to be this year. And that's what it largely was in Green Bay. And it was very successful for Rodgers, particularly under Nathaniel Hackett, who is, of course, the offensive coordinator here now. Won him two MVP awards. Got him to the AFC Championship game uh, against the, uh, the San Francisco 49ers and all of that. So I I think that's probably what the Bills are going to be looking at. It's going to be two offenses in one. The downfield passes on the goal balls primarily to Lazard and Wilson, maybe some tight ends thrown in. And then you're going to see those quick strikes, very sharp precision passes to guys like Hardman, Wilson. And then you'll see, I think, quite a bit of the running backs, Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. So what do you – I guess I just look at this and say – in. The deep passing game, every Bills fan can tell you this. You know what complicates a deep passing game? Is not having the adequate protection in order to operate that. And maybe it doesn't rear its head in one game, but over the course of a season, you find out that it's really an impediment. When the other team can put some pressure on you and your line doesn't hold up, especially when your quarterback's not the most mobile guy in the world anymore. So with that in mind... Are, is there any concern in your mind about how the protection might hold up trying to operate that kind of a thing against a team like Buffalo, who, not for nothing, has invested a ton of assets in that pass rush? Well, I think Roger still has some juice in his legs. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's Josh Allen when it comes to that, but you could see him move around and, and get out there and buy time with his legs still. And I think as long as the offensive line doesn't sustain major injuries they'll be okay now look that buffalo defensive line would be a challenge for anybody and it's certainly going to be a challenge for this jet offensive line but i don't think that it's quite the dangerous situation that some people seem to think it is because like i said i think it's really more about if makai beckton dwayne brown elijah tucker if those guys stay on the field I think the Jets will be okay. Rodgers has enough juice in his legs to buy time when he needs to for a couple of seconds. 
and complete a pass. And then obviously he's got Lazard and Cobb who are very familiar with him and, and all of that. He'll find somebody running free if he can buy himself a little bit of time. I think the big problem is obviously, you know, the Bills level of skill when it comes to the pass rush. And then overall, you know, extending beyond the Bills would be can those offensive linemen hold up? Because if we do have to see Billy Turner, if we do have to see Max Mitchell, then it could be a a bigger, uh, more dire issue. But for now, I don't think it's quite as bad as a lot of people on the outside are making it out to be. And I know we're short on time, but there's one question I want to, I just want to ask you real quick. Is it a concern to you that rather than attack your Pro Bowl caliber corners, the Bills might opt to take an approach that attacks your linebacking core instead? Yeah, I mean, I think they'd be foolish if they don't. Sean McDermott's not an idiot. He knows that that's a much weaker area. I mean, look, C.J. Mosley started out pretty well last year, but as the season went on, he started to fade. Those linebackers are not the best when it comes to to pass coverage. And look at safety. Jordan Whitehead was pretty bad last year. Uh, I'm not going to mince words. There's a lot of optimism about Tony Adams, who is an undrafted free agent last year out of Illinois. He's looked great in training camp, looked good when he came in the last few games last year. And so that should help. But look, Quincy Williams is not really a very good uh, defender of the pass. Mosley is very erratic, and like I said, he got worse as the season wore on when it comes to defending the pass. Chuck Clark, I think, was somebody that was going to be an X factor there. They were going to use him a lot as a chess piece to help come in, cover tight ends and stuff like that, help pick up some of the slack for the linebackers, but he's out now. So, yeah, no, I'm look, McDermott's going to do that. I have no doubt about it. He'd be foolish not to. And it's absolutely one of the weakest parts of this Jets team, let alone the Jets defense. I can't wait for this whole thing to happen and for the summary conversation afterwards. In the meantime, I'm sure you guys are going to have a ton more content. If anybody's interested to get the view over the fence that I get just from being able to talk to you whenever I feel like it, <laughs> thank you for taking my texts and our random DMs at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, where can our listeners follow you on social media? Well, first of all, Drew, uh, you can always call me or text me anytime, 3 a.m., uh, because much like CM Punk, I've always got the time for you. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> <laughs> time on his hands these days. Yeah. I, I may not have as much time on my hands as CM Punk, but for you, anything. Uh, I'm looking forward to this week. We've got more great content, including some guy named Drew Gear from the Rock Power Report who's going to come on for Know Your Foe. Where we've got Nick Faria, who is a new addition to play like a jet. He covers the Jets for AM New York. He's going to be doing midweek news and notes. Brian Bassett and those guys are reviewing the final episode of Hard Knocks, which was a fun one. We're going to be looking at the film. In fact, we already did earlier this week. We looked at Garrett Wilson's rookie year. Uh, Randy Lang, who's a legend of the Jets beat, covered the Jet. He's covered the Jets in some form since 1990 he came on to help us go inside the numbers we're going to do a mailbag we're going to do a pregame report where we go through betting odds we've got so much great material coming up i'm really fascinated by how this is going to play out drew like you said i can't wait for the game to get here you can catch me on twitter or x or whatever it's called now at play like a jet one you can download the podcast youtube excuse me on um Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. We've got our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash play like a jet. Lots of awesome all 22 videos. So as you said, Drew, if you're a Bills fan and you want to kind of see what some of these Jets players are about, get a in, more in-depth look at what they might bring to the table on Monday, youtube.com slash play like a jet. As always, really appreciate it. Even if Chris doesn't have the best bedside manner, because I, I get on for this with you today and the first thing out of his mouth before I could even say anything was okay this is our strict time limit go 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 right now okay nice to talk to you too Chris (laughs) 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 looking forward to talking again like I said not only on play like a jet with you for know your foe but after the game wraps up and Hopefully, if nothing else, it's a good game. There can only be one winner. You're hoping for the Bills. I'm hoping for the Jets. But I am also hoping for an entertaining football game, and I'm sure that's what most of America wants. Scott Mason, we love that fucking guy. That brings us, as we wrap this thing, to our keys to victory. Wow, it's a lot of keys. 
Bigger the keychain, more powerful the man. I think there's a handful of things the Bills have to nail like a split hog in order to win this game. First of all, penalties. Holy shit. With the undisciplined play that the Bills had in multiple preseason games from their starters, that's not going to fly. Chris, a team that is ball control, forces turnovers, forces punts, you can't get by also giving them negative plays due to penalty, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The Bills have to prove that that Sean McDermott has worked that out of their system. Because if you go out there and absorb 10 penalties for 80-something yards, I guarantee you you're intentionally, like, you're making this night harder on you than you have to. And this is already going to be a difficult contest. That's the first and foremost thing I see when I look at this matchup. I also have this one, Chris. Winning the center of the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. The Jets' situation at tackle isn't ideal. Dwayne Brown, upside, but he's 38 years old, right? Rotate, so, rotator cuff surgery. Missed all of camp the whole preseason. He's just starting to practice again, but he's going to start. Becton is a mammoth. He's a huge human being. He's known for this aggressive style of blocking, specifically in the run game. But his pass protection has suffered over the years. And now, playing at a lighter weight, he's still trying to figure that out, as evidenced by the fact that he was tied for third on the team in pressures allowed during the preseason and tied for the lead in sacks allowed. The Bills aren't much better. And anyone saying that we are is being really, really generous. And they're probably banking on Dawkins' youth trumping Brown's expertise and experience at left tackle because one of them is a multi-time pro bowler. One of them is just starting to work his way there and coming off a season where he might have regressed a little bit. Given the pass rush talent of these teams, I think all four of those players are really, really in for a shitty night. I think both teams' tackles are going to have a long night. I think in terms of the line play, what's going to win it for the Bills or where they have to try to anchor down, both offensively and defensively, comes down to who can control the A and B gaps. Josh Allen has made a name for himself over the last few seasons. This concept that he, like, he's a quarterback who has the lowest sack percentage despite having an offensive line that hemorrhages pressures all over the place. That's a testament to his elite athleticism and pocket awareness. Aaron Rodgers, meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, is not nearly the athlete that he used to be. He may still have it between the ears, but physically, when you're, of course, what is he, 43 now? Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers is 40, isn't he? I don't, he might be 39. He's getting there. Whatever he is, he looks old as shit, and he looks thin now. I think that's the other thing. He spent the NFL offseason kind of, like... To, to his own credit, you know, I was being tongue and cheek about 39. it. 39. Yeah, Nailed 30, it. 39. Nailed it. He was going to retire. He was 90% on the way to his retirement. And then he did ayahuasca. When you see him, he looks like a guy who was 90% of the way to retirement. He doesn't look like a guy who's been in the weight room much. He's not nearly the athlete he used to be, which is evidenced in the fine metrics last year. His pressure escape rate, which is a cool stat that Blitz Analytics puts out, 20 to 2020 to 2021, let's go back two years, was just 29.4 compared to Josh Allen's 44.3 and Lamar Jackson's 45.9. Those two guys are athletes. Aaron Rodgers is not as much of an athlete. And that figure got worse last season, where his sack percentage was just point one higher than Josh Allen's, but his throwaway percentage skyrocketed, and his contact aversion and inability to escape and extend plays got worse. 15.5% of all plays where he was pressured resulted in a throwaway versus Allen's nine. Like, that's... He can't run away anymore, and he knows it. So he either takes the sack... Like... Taking sacks made up almost 38% of his pressures. And then also, he threw the ball away another 15% of the time. Even if both teams allow pressure from the offensive tackle position, Allen is better equipped to deal with edge pressure than Rodgers is. He's been doing it for years, especially if Dorsey can do Josh some favors with some quick hitters. 
that'll keep the linebackers honest more often. Meanwhile, if the Bills can win the battle, right, if the Bills can go in there and just win the battle of both providing and taking away pocket integrity in the A and B gap and generate pressure into the face of Aaron Rodgers, you're talking about a guy whose elusiveness just is not there anymore. As far as him being forcing these broken play, he's going to scramble around and throw the ball. How many times have you seen over the course of his career when he was in his prime? That was prime Aaron Rodgers. He would do what Patrick Mahomes is doing now, where it's a muddy pocket, you think you're close, and he steps away from a sack and then makes a broken play. It's quite elusive for his age well, and throughout his career. to be. Uh, you never know. Chris, the numbers over the last three seasons... I know you're not really listening to me. No. But, but the numbers point to the fact that he's not. It's, it's trending. It's all trending downwards. So now you're talking about him not being as elusive and able to generate those broken plays. On scramble drills, he's also dealing with a bevy of new playmakers. He's got one guy who you go, oh, Garrett Wilson's a star. Okay, cool. Awesome. What are the rest of the receivers? What's your chemistry with them? Do they know that when you're in trouble where they need to go in order to bail you out? Do they know where you're comfortable throwing to if you're just going to throw to a spot and expect one of them to meet you there? I just feel like that these off-script plays that may become necessary if you can pressure that quarterback aren't going to be as refined as they are with a Mahomes-Kelsey, a Cousins-Jefferson. Uh, who else, Chris? Who, who are some of the great cat, pass-catcher quarterback tandems? Aaron Rodgers and Greg Jennings. Sure. When they were in their prime, they were phenomenal. And on defense... The Jets' best running backs are relatively new to the 2023 season. Neither Hall nor Cook took... uh, Neither one of them are 100% healthy. They're not overly familiar on the field getting real practice time with the new Jets' offense. Or the blocking that's going to be out there in front of them in order for them to go out there and do their job, specifically at offensive tackle. Because, Chris, knowing when and how to follow your blockers, it's... It requires a lot of nuance. I know you don't know that because you've never played football. Nope. There's no guarantee that they're going to have the ability to understand their blocking tendencies and understand what the playbook requires because this is a whole new offense. Everyone goes, well, Brees Hall was here last year. There's familiarity. Is there? Is there? You have Nate Hackett and Aaron Rodgers. Your whole offense is different. Hey, 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 Nate Hackett. He's a good guy. According to Drew McGarry, he's a pud, and that makes I don't know why, but that that insult makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> I don't know why. It's childish, but I love it. So now what you've got, right? You've got these two guys who aren't really at their best. One of them can't possibly be as explosive as he was in his prime. One of whom doesn't understand the playbook and also hasn't spent any time practicing with anybody. Clogging up the guards and centers would do a lot to hurt the Jets' ability to get that ground game going. I looked at because I looked at Cook and I go, well, Cook was the guy they signed to get them over the hump till Brees Hall's ready. Cook averaged six point four yards per carry last season, running off center and left guard for two hundred and seventeen yards, two touchdowns. He was top ten in the NFL at his position, running in that specific lane. And then tacked on another 161 running off guard and right at right guard and center. So for those of you doing the math at home, that's two touchdowns, seven runs of 10 or more yards, including his season long of 81, which I think came against Buffalo. Okay. Okay. A whopping 19 missed tackles forced when he runs and attacks the middle of the offensive line and the middle of your front seven which is proof of his elusiveness in space when he gets met in the hole by a linebacker. You have to take that away. You have to. Now, the Bills don't have to be perfect. Like, I think expecting perfection at what I'm postulating here is probably folly, considering all the new faces at linebacker, considering all the changes to Sean McDermott's doing the play calling. There's a lot of things that are going to change. But when our defensive tackles take on their interior offensive line players, we need to win more often than we lose. 
winning both offensively and defensively in this one box on the field, right, very likely will prove to be the difference in the football game for all parties involved. Like, our six to seven guys, McGovern, Torrance, Morse, Ford, Oliver, Jones, Phillips, they're probably going to be the biggest difference makers outside of Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey. And that's where this ends, is that Ken Dorsey has to find a fucking way. With the state of our linebacker core, the talent that the Jets have on offense, I don't want to find myself into a low-scoring affair like our last trip to New Jersey that we lost. Chris, we lost that game because we kept turning the ball over. You turn the ball over, you have a lot of inefficient drives because you're attacking them at their strengths. And just, I don't know, if you, their offense is not going to put up 40 points in this game. I mean, unless Nate Hackett all of a sudden took that firing from the Broncos personally and decided, fuck it, I'm going to light the world on fire. They weren't a Chiefs-esque, Cincy-esque, Bills-esque scoring offense, even when Nate Hackett was with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. They just weren't. Okay, They were good, but they weren't elite. So to expect that from a Jets team built the way they are, I think, I don't know. I don't know what other people are looking at. Here's what I see. You do not want to get dragged into the deep water in a tight affair with them because they are the they are the NFL's best fourth quarter defense in terms of scoring. Also, everything gets magnified. It's a big mistake. It's a big fumble. It's a big you know big whatever it is. A couple tackling errors on a drive. One drive. That was the only drive. That idiot Paul Edson Jr. was getting ragged on WGR 550 this morning. Because Boy Green from the Jets fan base, who Scott loathes, uh, you, he's talking about, oh, well, we ran it down the Bills' throat last time. You had 43 yards rushing in a single drive, and you kicked a fucking field goal. You didn't run it down our throats. It's just one bad drive, and that field goal was the difference in the game. You do not want to find yourself in that position again. So it's on Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen to attack them. Like, these guys think they're the reincarnation of the 85 Bears. They've gone out and said it publicly. It will be difficult, but there are places, right? Their safety room is thin, and they're not special. There's a reason they traded for Chuck Clark, and then had to sign Adrian Amos the second he got hurt. Adrian Amos sucks. He's old. He's washed up. It would be like if you, Chris, tried to dust him off and go play ice hockey. Seems reasonable. C.J. Mosley. Great. He tackles well. He, he has nuance, but he has limits to his athletic ability. Beyond him, there isn't a single quality coverage player in the Jets linebacker core last year. Like, there just wasn't one. And they didn't make any significant moves to improve that. Like, people are mad about the Bills linebacker situation. There's a guy named Jamie Sherwood who's going to start at weak side linebacker. His small sample size last year wasn't impressive, and he hasn't looked great this preseason. He's just what they have. All this talk about 12 personnel, this would be the perfect game for you to come out and hammer some team with it and show a little creativity. You force the New York Jets into base more often and expose these shitty linebackers that they have to Cook, to Murray, to Harris. You get the tight ends working the seams against linebackers, who will infrequently have safety help, given how good your outside wide receivers are. And the fact that, Chris, you're not going to let Diggs or Davis get away from the... Like, if they manage to beat Reed or uh, Sauce Gardner on a single play, everyone knows what that could possibly mean. Because that's how dynamic our outside wide receivers are. They're not... Obviously, they're not Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, but they're big and they're fast and they're physical and they play the game at a very high level. You're going to have space to operate inside the box. And I just think that if you throw in Hardy and Trent Sherfield, this team has enough speed. You're Dalton Kincaid working from the second time end position. This team has enough speed and just ability to catch the ball down the field and challenge safeties and linebackers that teams that are forced to play Tampa 2 we can crush them with this type of approach. It just takes Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen kind of matriculating the offense and executing it. 
It's going to be on them to attack the middle of the field where they're the softest with our best plays and our best talent. And you just got to figure out how to get it done. That's it. There's no other way around it. Chris, predictions. 27-21 Buffalo. Wow. You see us scoring 27 points? Yeah. I would say 24-17 Buffalo. In fact, maybe even 24-20 Buffalo. But I think Buffalo wins this game. I feel like we did the same thing this time around, or this time of year, last year, hand ring before that Rams game. Oh, the Super Bowl Rams. And we punched those guys in the face repeatedly. If nothing else, Ken Dorsey's good for one game. Let's have it be this one. Guys, I can't wait to come back and recap whatever this is, because it's going to set the expectations for what our season's going to be. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Geard. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rock Pop Report.